Welcome everyone. This is Catherine Biroy show and today we have a very special topic to share with you. My guest Sarah Willoughby is a transformation coach, infertility coach, best-selling author, speaker and Reiki practitioner. Passionate about empowering people to heal, love themselves, achieve more and transform their lives. Sarah guides her clients to reconnect with themselves and find the answers that lie deep inside. Sarah's book, Infertility Saved My Life, exposes the raw teaching moments of Sarah's journey to self-love through polycystic ovary syndrome and secondary infertility. Her podcast appearances and inspiring articles and posts on life and spirituality have reached millions of people worldwide. She is a co-author of the international bestseller Business, Life and the Universe Volume 3 and has written articles for Thrive Global and Modern Warrior magazine. Thinkers 360 awarded Sarah as the 70th thought leader in health and wellness in March 2022. Originally from UK, Sarah attained an honors degree in business studies, postgraduate diploma in human resource management and spent 10 years working in corporate HR. Following her admission into intensive care in 2009, Sarah promised herself that if she recovered, she would face her fears, commit to her calling, and make a difference in this crazy world. Life is short. Seven months later, Sarah left the corporate world, emigrated to Australia with her family, and began a new life. Sarah is blessed to live by the beach near Melbourne, Uh, Here, she can be found supporting people to live the best life, writing her way around a face and spending time in nature with her children. Sarah, I am so happy and honored to have you here with me and unbelievably grateful that you uh, decided to share your beautiful story with me, especially because we share some very similar experiences around the topic which you follow in your book. And for that, I am I'm truly, truly grateful and honored. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Would you like to share a little bit about your story first? Uh, actually, how, you, uh, how was the life in the United Kingdom and how you decided to, to move to Australia? Sure. So I basically lived the life that other people expected of me and for me. Mm -hmm. So I spent six years at university. I worked my way up the corporate ladder and got there and kind of felt very disillusioned and Mm -hmm. very stuck because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So at the same time, I was going on this crazy journey through secondary infertility, trying to have a second child And I went through a lot of loss and grief and heartache and trauma. And I ended up, after years of trying to have a baby, I ended up in intensive care following an IVF cycle that just went disastrously wrong. Mm -hmm. And we'd gone over to Norway, actually, to have the treatment. So we weren't even in the UK. And I think one of the hardest moments was watching my three-year-old son walk out of the hospital doors holding his well-loved rabbit in one hand Mm -hmm. and his grandma's hand in the other and looking back at me and smiling and I realized that I may never see him again Mm. and that was the moment that I realized that I had been living this life that lacked resonance that hadn't served me and I'd been allowing fear to 
be in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And my life changed fundamentally from that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People usually don't talk about infertility, especially here in Europe. I guess it's a very similar situation, everything in the world. But since I'm also the one who, who went through that process twice, and um, actually that is the, the, the period of my life when I realized that life is very short and every time I was on that bed, I didn't know if I'm going to, you know, just see the next day or wake up. But somehow the love to be a mom pushed me to go through that. If I only knew someone like you back then, that would be enormously beneficial for me. And this is why, especially this episode means a lot to me, because I want to break silence around that, because I strongly believe there is nothing to be ashamed of. There is nothing to, you know, feel like you have to be silent about that, because if we speak about that, then people will see that they are not alone. When I stepped into uh, the waiting room, there were 70 couples, seven zero couples waiting right. just for a first appointment. So I deeply understand. And your journey was even more difficult. I read your book and deeply touched my heart. Would you like to describe a little bit those moments in the hospital in Norway um, when you were going through that difficult time? And how did you felt when it was finally over and, and you, you actually realized it is a new beginning and not the ending of something else? Absolutely. So I'll talk about the, the physical pain that I went through when I was there. So my body filled up with fluid. So I put on about 20 kilograms of fluid in, in about 72 hours, which was exceptionally painful. Mm -hmm. I had fluid on my lung and I couldn't breathe. So I was just gasping for breath, which was very, very confronting. I felt like I was drowning mm -hmm. and I had an enlarged heart. And I remember being taken down to see the heart specialist and thinking, wow, if I've got heart failure, like, I don't know whether I've got the, the emotional, physical, mental strength to get through this. And at the same time that I was dealing with all of this, I actually was lying on an abortion ward, effectively. There were lots of young girls coming in and out with their mums and their boyfriends, and um, that was very, very confronting for me. It felt mm. like, you know, the universe, God, whoever had put the, the wrong baby in the wrong body, and there was no judgment for me on that. You know, we're all at different points in our lives, but it was just really hard to be in that in that same space. And I, I know for sure that I wouldn't have got through that if I hadn't have learned meditation. Mm -hmm. So meditation mentally got me through the pain because morphine didn't even scratch the surface of the pain. It didn't even take the edge off the pain. It was horrendous. And I really hope I never experienced that level of pain before I do die and take my last breath. So I was alone with my thoughts a lot of the time. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't you know, read a book. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And even the moments that my family came in to see me, Mm -hmm. it was just really difficult I was tired I didn't want to talk to them they couldn't physically touch me I couldn't hug my son 
So that was the reason that he went back to the UK with his grandma so that he could be cared for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know whether I would ever see him again. And that was very, very confronting because then I was faced with all of this guilt and shame around this was an elective process. Mm -hmm. I did this to myself. Mm -hmm. I have been greedy. I already have a son. Mm -hmm. You know, now he might grow up without a mum. And another pivotal moment was when eventually the process started to reverse itself because the doctors couldn't do anything to stop my deterioration. They could only treat each symptom as it arose and allow my body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it did, but there was no guarantee of that. And I didn't realize how serious it had gotten until my body had started to heal. I'd started to lose all the fluid out of my body. Mm-hmm. And one of the consultants who wasn't actually working on my ward that night came and spoke to me about 10 o'clock at night and she sat opposite me and she put her hand on my leg and she looked deeply into my eyes and said, you've been really lucky. And she had tears in her eyes and she looked away. And that for me was this moment of just like, wow, okay, Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying and I have a choice now. I have a choice to live a different life, to live the life that I've been too scared to live. Mm-hmm. and I lay in bed that night and I made a promise and I you know I did a deal with the universe if you get me through this mm-hmm. if I continue to heal mm-hmm. then I will spend the rest of my life being of service I will walk towards my fears I will try to live my best life and I will empower and support other people to do the same thing mm-hmm. and I felt a huge liberation in that moment but there was still a long journey ahead of mm-hmm. us And at that point, I knew I could never go through IVF ever again because it would kill me. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were then reliant on the frozen embryos that they had um, in Norway to see whether we could try and complete our family. Mm -hmm. So the journey, the journey continued. But in the middle of all of that, we made the decision we're going to move over to Australia. We'd already started the immigration process and Mm -hmm. I made the decision we're going to go. We're going to do this. And um, that was the best thing that that ever happened really you know so to start actually, a new life this, this moment when she told you that you actually at that moment realized what what really happened and how how serious it was and uh, it became a kind of an awakening moment for you and as i read yes. in your bio you were very high on a corporate ladder and you just mentioned you lived a life as we all think we should live and as we are taught to live. But this moment actually triggered the whole big change that you, that you uh, uh, did. And how was life in Australia after that? So when we made the decision to move over to Australia I was uh, we would, had gone back to Norway when I recovered and um, had two frozen embryos transferred and I actually fell pregnant with twins and in that moment I thought wow this is this is why it's happened this way because I'd always had this romantic notion about what twins would be like and and I was you know twins don't run in my family this is the only way I was gonna you see how twins. magical this is like you know, it's just it's just magical. Uh, after after what you've been through, you went again and and you you had what you had, right? But you, as you said, you made a deal with the universe, and yes. actually, you know, when your healing started, your whole you know body, soul, healing, everything, you actually got two beautiful <laughs> girls, right? <laughs> 
Well, but not from my twins. So my my twins, unfortunately, didn't survive. Um, oh. So bef- before before I went to Australia, I actually, so we were going out to Australia as a family of five. But then through that eight-week process of moving over to Australia, I lost both my twins. And so I was at that point then of just complete surrender and knowing that I was leaving the UK leaving the frozen embryos in Norway Mm. and there were lots of complications around Norway not releasing those so Mm. we didn't know whether we would ever be able to use those Um, and moving over to the other side of the world during the UK recession not knowing anybody not having jobs to go to Mm -hmm. but finally feeling like I was coming home and I remember lying on my bed feeling peaceful for the first time I think in my whole life and life just starting to go into flow Mm-hmm. and everything unfolded how it was meant to mm-hmm. and within six weeks of being in mm-hmm. Australia I fell pregnant with my daughter who is now 11 and then four years later I fell pregnant with my my little one who's now seven so I had my two girls they just weren't the twins but I learned so much through that that process and I am so incredibly grateful for the whole experience as hard as it was it that's why my book is called infertility saved my life because it did it saved me from this life that lacked resonance it saved me from a life that I wasn't destined to live but was too scared to move away from mm. so I never went back into the corporate world I started my own business and I sort of ventured further on my own journey to understanding self and understanding other people and what connects us and what brings us joy. And, mm-hmm. and I love what I do. You know, every single day I get to do the work that I love and it doesn't feel like work. And I wouldn't have had that if I'd stayed in the UK. And I wouldn't have had that, ironically, if I'd had a baby in the UK because I probably would have stayed there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everything, when you look back at your life, that's when you can see how all the dots join up and all those dots joined up perfectly. It was just a pretty difficult journey to, to the, go through the carriage, the time. I mean, uh, uh, you're one of the the most magnificent woman in this world that I know. And I wish to say that publicly. And um, I'm speechless sometimes when when we talk about this because it it really deeply triggers me. I, I know what I went through, but my journey wasn't like that difficult. It was much, much, much simpler when we talk about IVFs. Uh, I did have a heart problem, so Anastasia was very risky for me and all of that, but I never experienced it so deeply as you did. And I thought that my journey was difficult. This is why your story is so important. And this is why uh, courage that you, you like became mom afterwards two more times it's just like like you know a, a fairy tale i i'm not sure if i would have a strength even to to try if if you understand i i i yes. really thought that that journey was so difficult and i became mom naturally i i you know we were going on ivfs that wasn't working and then i discovered that i'm pregnant but yes. I never experienced it so deeply like you did. 
and I kind of erased it from from my memory because I don't even want to remember that time. But mm. I think we need to remember. And I think that all of us who went through these kind of processes need to speak up and to share their story because there is so much healing that we need to do and so many emotions and roller coasters of everything that we have been through. And it is not for us to erase that. It is for us to talk about that so that we give hope to other people. And I believe that's one of the reasons you wrote your book. And if you would like to share a little bit about it uh, with my audience, I would be very grateful. Beautifully articulated. And one thing I just want to say before I answer that question is that my story is nothing compared to what so many other women that I've connected with have gone through. And I got my happily ever after. I got my two beautiful girls as well as my son. And not everybody gets that happily ever after. But we shouldn't compare ourselves in our pain because our pain is our own. Our journey is our own. And that's like you said, why we need to talk about it. And that is why I wrote my book, because I want to help to break that silence surrounding infertility, surrounding miscarriage, surrounding stillbirth, surrounding all these really painful subjects that we hide away from mm -hmm. because we're taught not to talk about it. When you get pregnant, you're taught not to talk about it until you've had your 12, 13 week scan. But yeah. actually, if you then have a miscarriage in that time, that's when you most need people around you to help you to heal. Mm -hmm. And to know that you were pregnant, to know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So that's really counterintuitive to me. Mm -hmm. And you need people, you need your tribe around you when you're going on this journey. Mm -hmm. But there is just still so much silence and shame and stigma around it. And yet we talk about every other part of our body that doesn't work properly. Mm -hmm. We talk about it, but this, this is like so deeply personal and private, mm -hmm. but until we share, until we all share our stories, mm -hmm. then we are just encouraging everybody else to mm -hmm. suffer in silence behind closed doors like we did. Mm -hmm. and, and while actually people feel shame and grief even, uh, it should be opposite because you need strength and you need goodwill. And you need support and you need love to go through all of that. That doesn't mean something is wrong with you. That means yes. that you are strong enough to face the problem and to actually take that part in order to bring new life to this planet. And yes. this is a completely different way of understanding this. We should celebrate women who do that and not... Yes the other way around i was talking to one yes. lady lately she she was there she tried it 17 times wow and she's not giving up yeah and as long there are people who believe there is something wrong with women who are doing that i would say that the perspective needs to change completely and i celebrate this woman and they should be awarded for that because yes. that journey is difficult. It is hard. It is stressful. It is emotional. And it is the most magnificent thing a woman can do to bring a new life to this world if there is, under quotation mark, no other way. So uh, let's put a little bit of light on this. I know I made this episode a, a lot serious, more serious than others. And I told you that I'm going to, to put that tone because we went through that. It is our story. It is our roller coaster of emotions. But uh, I want to bring up the light 
for everyone else who did or will do that because that is the magnificent thing and the most beautiful thing they can do even though we experienced it painfully and as you said many other women even even more so yeah it's just something that came and that i wish to that i wish to share uh but i want you more to talk about about your book because i i believe that it needs to be uh, seen it needs to be heard about it and and everyone who is in the process who are thinking about that process or they went through that process i believe needs to read that book no, thank you. And I, I share my, I've shared my sto story very openly and I don't want to scare people in terms of this is the worst case scenario of what can happen with, when IVF goes wrong, but it's for the majority of women, it's a very safe process. And you think of the millions of, of women that have had babies over the years very safely. So I just wanted to, to say that mm -hmm. and not put fear in, into people. But in terms of my book, so it's called Infertility Saved My Life, Healing PCOS, um, from the inside out and it the first part of the story is my memoir so it's about my journey from when I first started my periods back when I was 12 and going through the diagnosis of PCOS and all the difficulties that I went through in my life before I even tried to conceive mm -hmm. and then the journey that I went on to have my three beautiful children mm -hmm. but for me just sharing my story wasn't enough it was kind of like a well that's great but how does that help me how does that help other people to mm -hmm. have a child? So the second part of the book is a collection of all the wisdom and insight and tools and techniques that I drew on to get me through that really challenging time mm -hmm. and things that people can do to help balance their mind, body, spirit mm -hmm. so that they're in the best place possible to mm -hmm. welcome a baby into their arms at the right time. So it's that combination of, of both things. And I really, my vision for the book is that I really want Everybody who needs to, to hear a story of hope and inspiration mm -hmm. to read that. Mm -hmm. Anybody who is supporting somebody through infertility to mm -hmm. read that. There is a section about what to say to somebody who's had a miscarriage and what not to say, because mm -hmm. that was one of the most painful things that I went through were all the comments that people made to me mm -hmm. after all my miscarriages. And very few people knew just how to hold space and to support Mm -hmm. And I know that so many people are still struggling with that. So mm -hmm. there's uh, hopefully something in there for everybody. And um, yeah, it's I'm very excited. So my ebook is out on the 7th of June. Mm -hmm. So that's also my birthday. And mm -hmm. seven is a very spiritual number. So it, the stars are all aligned. Mm -hmm. And the paperback version is available on the 6th of December. And it'll be in global bookstores on the 6th mm -hmm. of December. So Yes, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I can't wait to hold it in my hands, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> yeah, like a baby. <laughs> exactly. But I know that you are uh, um, putting a lot of effort and, and, and your will and knowledge and wisdom and every, every, everything that you have been through, you are actually helping people uh, uh, to go through that journey easily uh, to have support to it's it's not just about book tell us a little bit about your work and how you are helping people who who are going through through something like this yeah so I offer infertility coaching and I work one-on-one -on -one with uh, women or I can work with couples to really just provide a safe space for them to fall 
um, to manage that emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And I love that process. It's a really beautiful process. It's individually tailored to each person that I work with. So no two sessions are ever the same. And I try to also make it as fun as possible too, because we're dealing with heavy emotions. And what we know is that when we can find joy in our lives, we can balance ourselves energetically. And that helps to open our heart to be able to receive Mm. all the abundance in our lives that we so desperately deserve. Mm. And part of that is also about having a baby and welcoming a baby into our lives. Mm. So I also write about my journey and share my story I do put lots of podcasts and I talk about it on stages um, virtually and in person so I really just want to get my message out to people in lots of different ways because I think we all resonate with things differently some people love the written word it's like you're hearing it in your own voice rather than being distracted by somebody's mannerisms or accents and to hear it um Mm-hmm. verbally really resonates with other people so mm-hmm. I will do whatever I can to share my message far and wide I also offer healing sessions as well so I do Reiki sessions both in person and distant healing sessions online mm-hmm. and Reiki changed my life so Reiki is Japanese energy healing it's mm-hmm. a very powerful yet gentle healing modality it really helps you connect with your heart and connect mm-hmm. with who you are and help you to find the answers that lie deep inside as as my bio says I really truly believe that our soul has all the answers we just need to get still to be able to connect with our own truth so for me, I love my work for me you're an angel on earth you you helped me so many times and yeah it's just it's just a pleasure knowing you and and being in your space and sharing this space with you and I'm here to support you whatever you do so yeah, I, I just Thank really you. can't wait to hold that book in my arms. Like I, I hold my son and, you know, now he has a chicken box. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy because he's five years old. He's closed in the house like COVID wasn't enough. Now we're in isolation yes. again. And it's very funny. And now he likes mathematics like he's dead. So he practiced, yes. practiced mathematics every day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, so this now this feeling of, you know, being a mom and, and really supporting, uh, you know, a part of yourself uh, growing to, to something magnificent as our children will and are, it's just, it just you know, it's worth it every, every single step that we, that we ever took. Tell me where people can find you and how they can reach out to you. So my website is sarahwillaby.com.au. I'm also on LinkedIn, Sarah Willoughby 2019, Instagram and Facebook, Sarah Willoughby Australia. And if people connect with me uh, via my website, they can sign up for my weekly newsletter and they'll receive a beautiful free breathing meditation, which I Uh, wrote and my son wrote and played the the guitar music on that during COVID so that was our little COVID lockdown project that we did together and it's very special to me so yeah I I love connecting with people so do reach out and uh, and I will support in any way that I can. That's very beautiful and I know you will. Thank you so much for being my guest I hope you enjoyed and I did too. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for everything that you're doing and thank you for your love and support. You know, I'm so blessed to have connected with you and to call you my friends. So thank you. It's my pleasure. See you. Bye-bye.